Um, I just want to jog your memories a little bit. So when I say this, see if you guys can remember from the last time I preached. It's good to be here. Yes, it's wonderful to be here. Yes. All right, we're going to do it again. All right. We've got we to gotta, we gotta work on this because it is exciting to be here and it's amazing that we can be here together in God's house. So, Axis Church, it's good to be here this morning. Oh, it is. It's wonderful to be here this morning. Oh, amen. It's so good every time. Um, so yeah, as Jono said, we've been going through this series, All Things New. Have we been enjoying it? Yes, I've been absolutely enjoying it. So over the past couple of weeks, we've looked at a new identity, a new story. In the beginning, we looked at, um, Jono was talking about that Christ is redeeming all things and making all things new. And we talked about a new creation. Um, but this morning, in a roundabout way, we're going to be breaking down the area of a new mind, as Jono mentioned. And I want to start off by saying, how many here of you today would love to know God's will for your life? Or maybe you'd want to be able to discern what your purpose is in life. We all want that, right? We want direction. We want plans. We want purpose. We want an identity. And for a Christian, this lands in the area of God's will. What's God's will for my life? What's his perfect plans and purpose for my life? So put your hands up. How many of us would just love to know God's perfect plans for our life? Just straight away. We wouldn't even need to worry about it. Yeah, I am very much the same. And that's great because that's not what we're looking at this morning. <laughs> but don't lose focus here. However, we are going to be looking at um, the foundations that you need to be aware of before you can really focus on what God's will is for you. And to help us achieve that understanding, we're going to be looking at a particular section of Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Romans 12 verses 1 to 2. So in this letter to the church in Rome, he, Paul is establishing a foundation of all that God has done um, for humankind. And he does this by highlighting the work of Jesus through the first 11 chapters of this book. Um, and essentially, he's just giving a good recap of what has happened. He addresses the sinfulness of humanity, how we've all just fallen short of the glory of God. And he's basically at the start, they're just talking about how messed up humanity is. Um, he then moves on to say um, and talk about the forgiveness of sin through the person of Jesus and his death on the cross. He then goes on to explain the freedom that that sacrifice gives us from the grasp of sin. He then retells the story of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, the past, the present, and the future. So that's the first 11 chapters, and then we find ourselves here at chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. So Paul's just given a bunch of information regarding God, and he's basically talked about a lot of theological ideas, but now he's talking about the practical. And it says this, and if you've got your Bibles with you, you can follow along. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Excuse me. So as we begin to break down this scripture and see what it means for us, I want to highlight two words. The words, therefore, and then. The word, therefore, at the start of this passage is highlighting that Paul is about to make um, a summary or a call to action based on the previous 11 chapters. He says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of what Jesus has done for you, in view of how much he loves you, in view of what he's done throughout the history of his people, despite the sinfulness and your crooked minds, this is what I want you to do. So in view of everything that God has done for you over here, this is now practically what I want you to do. 
And then after that, here is where we reach this second word. It says, then. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And I found this very interesting because um, we came to somewhat of a conclusion at the beginning that we would all love to know what God's will is. And we would love to have a purpose. What am I here for? What's my purpose? What's God's will for my life? And what I think this um, scripture is indicating is that we won't even be able to attest or approve what God's will is unless we're ultimately being transformed by the renewing of our minds, having a new mind. And this is what I think this word then suggests. It's saying unless we're offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, not conforming to the world, unless we're ultimately being transformed by the renewing of our mind, we're not really going to be able to recognize or determine what God's plan and purposes are for our life. And I think this is our human problem, and especially in the culture and the society we live in today, we just want everything immediately with no effort. Minimal effort, maximum result is what they always say, and I've lived by that my entire life. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> and again, I found it very interesting when I was reading it because there actually seems to be a process through which God reveals his will to you and I. There's a process that we have to understand and be undertaking to even realize what this will is. And so now we might ask the question, okay, well then how can we determine God's will? How are, we, how are we supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? What does that even mean? And I think the scripture tells us. Firstly, it's through a living sacrifice. Paul says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Now immediately for us, we can kind of grasp what Paul's saying here. And when I kind of read it, I was like, okay, he wants me to give my life to him. He wants me to sacrifice the things that I want for him. But in the time when he wrote this, the people would have been quite confused with what he was saying because the people of that time, the words living and sacrifice did not go together. They were used to dead animal sacrifices. So when God was like, okay, I want you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, they were like, ooh, like what the heck does he mean by that? So what does Paul mean by saying offer yourself as a living sacrifice? And so first... Through the first 11 chapters, Paul is trying to help them understand that the animal sacrifices of an earlier day have been actually rendered completely obsolete by Christ's self-offering. And this new order and this new relationship with Christ, it does have its sacrifices, but they don't consist of animals and needing to kill them. It consists of your own life. And Paul wasn't saying that they literally had to die in the sense to offer themselves. That's not what he was meaning. He was meaning who they are and everything that makes them them. And I love how Peterson puts it in his commentary. He says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And I think this is really the heart of what Paul's trying to get at. And when we look at the words this passage was traditionally written in, we see that Paul was suggesting that in view of everything that God's done, in view of these first 11 chapters, in view of God's amazing grace and mercy to us, it's actually the only reasonable, logical response to that is a complete wholehearted sacrifice over here. So he's in view of everything that I've just said, the only logical response to that, that through the salvation you now have, is saying, God, I'm going to give my best to you. I'm going to give my everything to you. And while it's true that people in Rome would have struggled with this, this new concept of this living sacrifice, how much do we really struggle with this still today? God, I really want you to show up and reveal your perfect plan for my life. I would love to know my purpose. But I'm just really not sure if I can give you everything. There's that one area of my life, ooh, I'm not sure if I'm willing to sacrifice that. God, I'll give you a bit of my finances, but I don't know, I just need to keep a little bit for myself to make myself feel comfortable. 
God, I would give you everything and I'll give you everything, but just that, that one area of my life that uh, I'm not sure if I trust you with that. God is asking for all of you. He's asking for your best and nothing less. And I want to share a, an illustration that really widened my view um, when I was preparing this sermon. So I want to imagine, I want to get you guys to imagine that you're in London as I'm, as I'm explaining this story. And the story goes like this. The Queen is on her way to a daily appointment that she goes to. And she decides today that she might want to walk it instead of driving. So she goes, yep, I'm just going to go out and go for a stroll. She gets out. She forgot to check the weather. And by the looks of the sky at the moment, it's going to rain. And she says to herself, I think I'm going to stop in at someone's house and grab an umbrella. Hopefully they'll lend me an umbrella. So she's walking along, stops at his house, knocks on the door. A lady comes and answers the door. Hey, how are you going? Great. She has no idea this is the Queen. She doesn't recognise her. The Queen says, hey, I'm just on my way to an appointment. I need an umbrella. And the lady, doesn't, not knowing that this is the Queen, thinks that this lady is probably going to steal her umbrella. So she goes, I'll give her an umbrella. She wants to do the right thing. So she gives her her old umbrella. It's got some holes in it. It's a pretty dodgy umbrella. So she gives it to the Queen, not knowing it's the Queen. The queen says, thank you very much. I'll return it when I'm finished with it. And so next morning, the Queen's guard show up to the house and they, they bring the umbrella. The lady opens the door um, and they say, we just want to say on behalf of the Queen, thank you so much for lending her your umbrella. And the lady immediately bursts out into tears, realising that, oh my goodness, the Queen was just at my house and I just gave her my worst umbrella. And it's the same with our relationship with God. God is like the Queen and we are like that lady at the door. God's coming up to us saying, hey, look, I want to reveal my perfect plans for your life. I want to partner with you. I want to help you but I need your best umbrella. God doesn't actually need our umbrellas. Don't go home and pick up your umbrella and give it as an offering to God. He doesn't need your actual umbrellas, right? But he does need all that we are. You're eating, sleeping, walking around, everyday life, he needs it all. He wants to work in your life, but he needs to know you're all in. But it's not about being perfect. And everyone's best is going to look a little bit different to everyone else. It's not about necessarily how great what you have is. He just wants your best and nothing less. And this was especially convicting for me because I feel like lately I've been giving some pretty dodgy umbrellas to God. Some umbrellas with some really bad holes in it. And I kind of thought about this. I was like, we don't want to miss out on an opportunity to give our best to God. And Jono's mentioned this before, but he kind of said that when I get to he like judgment day and God pulls out the Isaac box... I would hate for him to, he pulls out the Isaac box and he goes, why, why didn't you let me use this? Isaac, why did you reserve this for me? Why were you not willing to sacrifice this for me? I would love to get to there and he pulls out the Isaac box and it's just empty. Like, it doesn't matter how good I've been and like necessarily the, the heights that I've achieved, it just is about how much I've given to him and I've just given him my best. I just want to know that I've just done the absolute best that I possibly can. So that's the first step. We've got to be offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. We've got to be giving our best and nothing less. Then we come to the next point. We've got to be transformed, not conformed. So he goes on from there to say, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. When Paul says this, he's warning the people of the church against falling into the various manifestations of the sinfulness that constantly surrounds them in their everyday lives. Things like dirty or offensive language, gossip, the wearing of tempting attire, engaging in questionable activities, watching terrible things on TV and Netflix. I could go on 
for hours about the manifestations of sin in our everyday lives. And again, I love how Peterson puts it in his message paraphrase. He says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. There's so many temptations that present themselves before us, so many manifestations of sin that present themselves on a daily basis that we can so easily become consumed by them without even knowing, without even thinking. And oftentimes by the time we've realized, whoa, I shouldn't be doing this, the damage has already been done. And so last, not last week, the week before that, Jono comes into my office and he puts a block of chocolate on my desk. I was like, oh, this is nice. He's like, I just want to give you this block of chocolate. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. And he's like, oh, no, don't say thank you, because if I actually like that chocolate, it wouldn't be on your desk. It'd be gone, right? He would have eaten it all. And I was like, oh, thanks for the chocolate then. And so he walks out. And this is the interesting thing when you start preparing sermons, and maybe some of you here have experienced this, everything just becomes a sermon illustration. It's like in Madagascar where like, Alex the lion just sees everything as a steak. That's pretty much like what it is. But he leaves the office, and I look at the chocolate block, and I was like, wow, this is, this is interesting. It's, it's half missing. Like half the chocolate block is gone. And I was like, wow, like it took Jono half the chocolate block to realize that he didn't like it. Like he had to eat half the block to realize, oh, maybe I don't like this. Maybe, maybe this isn't good for me. Maybe I'll go give it to Isaac, right? <clears throat> and then when I was sitting there, I kind of thought to myself, wow, like isn't that the exact same the way we conform to the things of this world without even realizing. And some of us it takes half a block, some of us it takes a full block, some of us it takes multiple blocks of chocolate to realize, wow, like this really isn't good for me. Why do we do that? I'll tell you, because chocolate tastes very good, just ask Jono, he loves it. <laughs> but it creeps up on us without us realizing, oh, I'll just have one row. How many one rowers are out there tonight that never actually have one row this morning? Yeah, all of you. <laughs> I'll just have one row of chocolate. One row becomes three and then that becomes a block and by the end of the week you've had four blocks of chocolate and you're like, wow, I've really had too much chocolate. And it's the same when we experience the manifestations of sin in our lives, in our everyday lives. I'll just have one drink, just one. One becomes two, two becomes three and you're like, wow, I've really just had too much. I'll just watch this one movie I know it's got some pretty, pretty heavy language in it. I know it's got some sexual content, but it's just a movie, right? Like, I'll just watch this one movie. A couple of weeks later, you're struggling with a porn addiction and you're finding that your language is pretty colourful. Oh, I really shouldn't be sitting here listening to this gossip in this conversation, but it's fine. Like, I'll just wait it out. A couple of weeks later, you are gossiping and you're struggling with that. Before you know it, you become so well adjusted to the sinfulness around you without even realizing. You just fit into it and you didn't even know. And Paul knows that the things of this world are only going to offer us disappointment. And we've heard in this series that God is making everything new and he's redeeming everything and the sinful things of this world are going to pass away. And so whatever you might be looking for that the world is offering, whatever you might be looking for to fill that void in your heart, that the, the things of the world that are offering, it's only going to leave you disappointed. Because God's good and perfect, pleasing will is so much more fulfilling than anything the world can offer you. And I know for maybe some of you here, and for me when I was reading this, um, it just seems so much easier said than done. It's like, yeah, I know, like I've tried so hard not to do those things that I know I shouldn't be doing, but it just doesn't work. I just keep falling into the things that I know I shouldn't be doing. And when I was reading this, I was like, man, like do we just not do it? 
Is it that simple? It's like what Paul was talking about last week. Is it just that we just don't have to look at this war? How do we actually do it? And this is what I love about this passage because I, I see it as it builds, it builds on itself. It's one thing to tell someone what to do, but it's another thing to tell them how to do it. And I think this is what Paul is doing here in these verses. He goes, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. How do you do that? Part of how you do that is not conforming to the things of this world. How do you really not conform to the things of this world? It's ultimately through the transformation and renewing your mind. We've got to be transformed, not conformed. Our refusal to conform to this world has to go deeper than just behavior and customs. It has to be firmly planted in the values in our minds. And this brings me to my third point. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does this really mean? When I first read this, I was like, what does that even mean? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the English word we see here for transform actually comes from the word metamorphosis. And we all know what the process of metamorphosis is. The process of a caterpillar going to a cocoon and becoming a beautiful butterfly. And I think this is what Paul is alluding to here of what pours out of salvation and a relationship with Christ. And so Paul's talking here to people in this passage that already have a salvation. And what he's saying is, in view of this salvation that you now have, in view of everything God's done for you, in view of his sacrifice, the only logical thing is you've got to give everything to him. You've got to not be conforming to the patterns of this world, but ultimately you do that by renewing your mind. And some translations say, do not be fashioned to the things of this world. And Paul is not offering just another fashion for your already outward fashion. It's a complete transformation of the mind. When you make that decision to invite Christ into your life and accept his sacrifice for your sin, you will be transformed. You will have a new mind. Ephesians 4 talks about this, the fact of putting off your old self and your old wardrobe, as Johnny was talking about a few weeks ago. You have a new identity. Ephesians says to be made new in the attitudes of your mind. And this is what I think Paul is trying to say. In view of the salvation that you already have, you are transformed. You've been given a new mind already. But maybe you this morning, you're on the edge and you're thinking about stepping into a relationship with Christ. And I'm not going to go into too much detail with that, but I would really encourage you to pursue that further. Because a relationship with Christ and an acceptance of the sacrifice that he's made for you will transform you. It will transform your life forever. And there's so many people in this room that can attest to that. But I think it's interesting where Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which suggests to me that this, this transformation, this metamorphosis is not an isolated incident. It's not like it just happens and then you've got the new mind forever. It's actually a process. Having a new mind and renewing your mind is a process. And I also found it interesting that the scripture here and the one in Ephesians 4 where it's talking about having a new renewed mind, it's always in direct correlation to throwing off your old self, to the old wardrobe, to resisting the sinful things that this world offers us. And that's why I think Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because you need to be daily in the process of renewing your mind if you really want to be throwing off that old wardrobe and rejecting the things, these sinful things that you're struggling with. It's a process. And it was interesting. Um, I'm engaged, for those of you who don't know, engaged to be married to this beautiful woman over here, J.L. Thompson. Woo! Um, and it was interesting when we got engaged, um, 
everyone was like so excited that we got engaged, right? Came to church. All the women, especially the older women, came to me like, oh my goodness, like this is so exciting. Like you're getting engaged. It's the start of a new journey. Your life is going to be so awesome. All the older men that I went and talked to were like, mate, your life's over. <laughs> like it's the beginning of the end. I remember being out in the tent and I can't remember who exactly it was, but there was three of them. And I was telling them and they all looked at each other and they were like, oh, they were obviously joking, but they were like, man, you have no idea. And, and I really think they've been transformed by the renewing of their mind. That is why they, they understood that it was a process. That didn't just happen. They understand now that the place they're in, they're like, mate, we've been transformed. Our mind is completely renewed, right? But they understood that it's a process. A renewed mind in the, the thing of renewing your mind is a process. So I believe um, there's a three-step kind of thing to be able to be in the process of renewing your mind. The first step is understanding that it is a process. And the second step is understanding that it's a reflection. How many of us look in the mirror? Put your hands up. Some of us don't need to look in the mirror like Jono. He doesn't need to remind himself that he looks good every morning. He, oh, there you go. It's been transformed. Okay. We all look in the mirror, right? And I, I find this very funny because like, we look in the mirror because we forget what we look like. We have to wake up every day and go to the mirror to remind ourselves what we look like because sometimes there's things on our face that weren't there yesterday. You get there and you're like, whoa, my eyebrow did not look like that yesterday. Like, oh my goodness, there's a pimple there that shouldn't be there. Why is that there this morning? And we have to go to the mirror to remind ourselves of what we look like. And in the same way, we have to be reflecting on the mirror that is God's word. Because if we're not coming back to the mirror that is God's word, we're going to forget what we look like. We need to be reflecting and reminding ourselves of the truth that we find in Scripture. And it's funny that if we didn't have mirrors... If mirrors weren't a thing and we had no way to see our own face and our own reflection, we'd forget what we look like. We would. And the only way we'd be able to know what we look like is relying on what people are telling us. And this is the exact same thing that happens when we're not in the process of renewing our minds and reflecting on the truth that God's declared over us in our life through his word. If you're not coming back to the mirror that is scripture, you're going to forget who you are. You're going to forget the truth that God's declared over your life. And it happens so easily. And scripture, I believe, was not just meant for our information, but our transformation. You've got to be reading your Bible. Otherwise, you're going to start conforming to the world without even realizing people are going to start saying things over you. Oh, that's who you are. Why are you doing this? This is who you are. That's what you're struggling with. You're identified by what you're struggling with. If you're not coming back to that mirror, reminding yourself of who you are and what you look like, then you're going to so easily fall into that without even realizing so you've got to be reflecting on the word of God, on the truth that you can find in there. And Craig Groeschel has this, these daily declarations. And for, for different people, everyone's going to do a little bit different things. But it ultimately all comes out of a reading of scripture. But Craig Groeschel does this. Every day he wakes up and declares things over his life. Truths that he has learnt and got from scripture. He wakes up and he's like, I am a child of God. I will resist the devil today. I am loved by God. God is pleased with me. He's constantly in the process of renewing his mind by reflecting on the scripture and the truth that he finds. However, that's not all. It's a process. It's a reflection on the word of God. 
but it's also a cooperation. Now what I mean by that is you're not alone in this process. You actually have the help of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. And this is what Paul touches on earlier in Romans. The Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. And if you've accepted Jesus and the sacrifice that he made, then the Holy Spirit, the advocate, lives within you. And it's actually only when the Holy Spirit renews and re-educates and redirects our minds that we are truly transformed. So on top of those things, you've got to be asking the Holy Spirit to do the work within you. Every day you've got to be waking up and going, God, I really can't do it without you. Holy Spirit, I need you to come in and renew and redirect my mind. Daily having a new mind is a close cooperation with the Holy Spirit that lives within you. He doesn't expect you to be able to do all these things by yourself. And that's why he's given you the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do it without him. And recently, like this week for me, has probably been one of the busiest weeks that I've had in a while. And I've got in the habit of just complaining about everything. If you want to know, just go and ask Jayla. She's heard all of it. Um, And I've just been getting very frustrated at so many different things in my life. And when I was preparing this sermon, God just backhanded me. And he's like, bro, like, when have you been renewing your mind? When have you been actually reflecting on scripture? And the thing is, if we're not going through this process, if we're not partnering with the Holy Spirit in reading the word, everything just seems to add up. And it's been a while since I've truly reflected on the word of God and everything just seemed to be like adding up and I just felt like I was going to explode. I was so frustrated at everything. I was complaining about everything that I was doing. And if you're doing this process, if you're renewing your mind daily, it's almost like every single day that you wake up, you've got a fresh slate. And that day is not adding on to the previous day. And maybe some of you here this morning are feeling like that, that every day is just an addition onto the day before. It's just a whole bunch of new stresses and new worries. But I want to encourage you that if you are in the process of renewing your mind, if you're reflecting on the Word of God and coming back to that mirror, reminding yourself, if you're partnering with the Holy Spirit in this process, then it will just transform your life and your mind. And then at the very end it says, then you'll be able to test and approve God's will. People come and ask me, they go, Isaac, like, what, do you think, what do you think God's will is for my life? Like, what's my purpose? I'm like, I don't know. I've got really no idea what God's exact will is for your life. I don't even really know what his one is for me. Like, I'm still working that out. But what I do know is, and what I think this scripture is saying, is that there's a process through which God reveals his will to us. Now, hear me when I say this. I'm not trying to say at all that you need to be perfect before God can use you or before God can reveal his will for you. That's definitely not what it's about. We're not saved through works and how much we can do and how well we can do them. We're saved through faith and the sacrifice of Jesus. And as the worship team comes up, I like how Johnson puts it here. He says, the renewed mind is like a canvas on which the Spirit of God can paint. And that's how I kind of see this passage. I see that sometimes God's there with a paintbrush and he wants to partner with every single one of you. He wants to use you and he's ready to paint this beautiful picture for you, this beautiful future. But he's just about to paint. He's got the brush ready. Then he goes, whoa, Isaac, man, Mike, I need that area of your life. Why are you still holding on to that? Isaac, I need your best. Isaac, why are you still caught in that pattern that I told you to get help for? I told you to talk to someone about that. You need to get help with that. Why are you still caught in that? Isaac, why are you not reading my word and renewing your mind? I was like, I want to keep painting, but I just don't know that if I do, you'd actually be able to do it. 
I don't know if you're ready because you're still holding so many reservations. And that might be for the, case, the case for you also. It's not about being perfect, but I believe that if you are doing this, if you are giving God your best and nothing less, if you're being transformed, not conformed, if you're in the process of renewing your mind, I believe you will be able to determine and accomplish everything that God paints for you. But the beauty of this passage is that if you feel like, oh, well, yeah, God hasn't really called me to anything super specific. I don't feel like God's told me exactly what I need to do and it hasn't been really mapped out for me. If that's, for you, if that's you today, I feel like the beauty is, of this passage is that in the meantime, if you're actually doing these things, if you're, being, um, if you're giving God your best and nothing less, if you're being transformed and not conformed, um, if you're in the process of renewing your mind, you're already doing it. You're already actually doing the will of God. And if you read the rest of here in chapter 12, and you read the rest of the verses, it talks about love in action. And that is the will of God. And so church, um, I hope you, hope you got something out of that. I just really want to encourage you that if we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, if we're a people that are just giving everything to God and just are willing to sacrifice everything, it's not about being perfect because none of us are going to achieve that. But if we're just doing our absolute best, if we're reflecting on the Word of God and finding the truth that it tells us, if we're renewing our minds, if we're being transformed, I truly believe we're going to be able to transform the world around us. And that's what we need. Our world is just getting so messed up by the day. If you look at the news, it's just crazy. We need to be a people that are firmly rooted in Jesus. So I think I'll just close in prayer and we'll have some worship. Father God, I want to thank you for this day. What a beautiful day. Thank you that we can all be here in um, this building um, worshipping you together. Father, I thank you for the privilege that I've had to be able to attempt to share your word and help people understand how they can give their life fully to you. God, I want to ask that you'd be working in every single person's life here. God, we all want a purpose. We all want to know what we're here for. But God, I pray that we would just be offering everything we are to you, that we would be just giving you our best and nothing less. Father, and through that, we'd be transformed and not conformed to the sinful things that this world offers us, but we're doing that through the renewing of our minds. Father, I pray that everyone in this building would be reflecting on the truth they can find in your word, reminding themselves of it daily so they don't forget who they are. They are children of God, and you've empowered each and every one of them. They have the Holy Spirit within them that's actually going to help them do that work. God, I just thank you so much for everything you do for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.